Billy Strings is a mutant of sorts. He has the soul and wisdom of a musical elder who has seen it all, and the speed, agility, and technical proficiency of an Olympian at their peak. Now, what he does may seem unattainable, but I can assure you that regardless of your skill level, Billy Strings has a lesson that will meet you right where you're at. On today's show, I'll be sharing 10 guitar lessons from none other than Billy Strings. Hey, TAC family, this is episode 263 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show, a show packed full of inspiration and fun designed to help you get more fulfillment, progress, and joy from your guitar journey. Throughout today's episode, I'll be sprinkling in some acoustic news you can use, which includes a music documentary hootenanny, an acoustic guitar cover that won me over twice, and much, much more. Plus, you're going to see not one, but two guitar snolls that will make you drool. We'll get to all of that here in a bit, but first, let's see what little nuggets we can mine from Billy Strings' guitar playing. Now, we have to establish a baseline of things we know about Billy Strings. First, he has phenomenal taste in instruments. He has a trio of Thompson guitars that I know of, a mahogany Thompson, a Brazilian rosewood Thompson, and the Bride of Frankenstein, my personal favorite because of the inlay work. He also has a slew of vintage Martins. I've seen him play open back banjo. I've seen him play mandolin. Yes, Billy Strings is a very fitting name for this fantastic guitar player. Well, multi-instrumentalist, I should say. The other thing we know about Billy Strings is that he's just a good dude. He's extremely generous. He donated uh, guitars to his old grade school for the kids that wanted to learn guitar, which I thought was pretty darn amazing. And he gifted his stepfather one of his very own Thompson signature models. So he's a very generous individual. And not only is he generous with what he does to other guitar players, well, yeah, he's generous with how he inspires other guitar players. And that's what we're here for right now. 10 guitar lessons from Billy Strings. Now note, this is not a how to play a Billy string song note for note. This is looking at Billy string isms and being able to learn from them and apply them to your own playing. So let's dive right in. Lesson number 10 from Billy strings is use a drone string. Now this might be difficult for me to just describe. So let's go ahead and watch Billy strings do it. And then I'll teach you how to play the exact lick that he's playing in this song. What you'll notice in that very short clip is that Billy is using the open D string as a drone and playing it against the fretted G string. Now, for the sake of demonstration, I'm gonna capo on the second fret here, and let me go over the fretted positions that he's using. Now, I do know how ironic it is because I'm showing you this lick note for note, but that's not the goal. The goal is to look at the overarching technique. But for the sake of fun, let's just look at this note for note because it's kind of a neat phrase. Okay, so we're fretting the G string, and in terms of fretted positions, we'll do the following. The ninth fret of the G, the 11th, the 13th, the seventh, and back to the ninth. And again, this is being played against the open D. So here's how that Billy Strings lick sounds, but slowed way down so you can see the picking pattern. Pretty cool how that open D just rings throughout and gives it this wonderful body. Now, if you don't want to play this lick note for note, that's totally fine. You can still use this technique. In fact, I'll show you a great simple way you can use it right now. We're still going to be fretting the G string, but what I want you to do is just explore those fretted notes 
against that open D. And you can just simply strum the two strings together. That would sound like this. possibilities there and a great way to introduce using a drone string in your own playing. Now this brings me to lesson number nine and you actually got a hint of it in the clip that you saw already. Lesson number nine is use repeated phrasing. Find a phrase that you love and then repeat it one, two, three, four, five times, especially if it's an effective phrase. Here's Billy Strings doing that exact repeated phrasing. Looking at that guitar solo, it's very clear that Billy's using quite a few repeated phrases. It's very effective. I think the common myth is that when you play a guitar solo, everything has to be new and nothing can be repeated. That couldn't be any further from the truth. Billy Strings uses repeated phrasing very much to his advantage. It drives home a musical point. It almost puts a, an exclamation point on whatever you're playing. Plus, it's really fun for the listener to listen to because it gives you something to latch onto. Now the phrase that he's using uh, is over an F chord, or at least I should say the phrase that I'm targeting that I want you to focus on is what he's using over the F chord. The phrase sounds like this. It's almost hypnotic in a way. It's a phrase that almost wants to continue infinitely. I only planned on playing it a few times, but I kind of got locked into this rhythm. And that's why repeated phrasing is effective. Now you can use this in your own playing with any phrase. One of the phrases that I really like to repeat is uh, here on the third fret. Again, I'm capoed on the third fret uh, just for the sake of demonstration and matching what he's playing, but obviously this would work in any area of your playing. Uh, one of the phrases I like to repeat is this one. <laughs> Not only is it cool to listen to, it also gives you time to think as well. Now, this brings me to lesson number eight. And lesson number eight is using chromatics. Now, you already got a taste of this with this particular lick. It's very chromatic. Now, chromatics are essentially just playing one fret at a time, climbing the neck in half steps. It would sound like this. Right, it, it just, it's just going one fret at a time. Now, away from a musical context, it doesn't seem that effective. It sounds kind of weird. It sounds like maybe just an exercise or something that you'd be goofing around on the guitar with. But in a musical setting, it's extremely effective because it grabs the listener's ear. And again, it buys you some time. Here's Billy Strings using chromatics in one of his solos. Before we go any further, I need to shout out Marcel. Lessons with Marcel, it's a fantastic YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed to it, please, please do. Um, I'm gonna scratch the surface on Billy's strings here, but Marcel goes into great depth and detail in terms of tabbing out Billy's strings solos and just in general doing a great job of representing what Billy Strings plays. I've used Marcel's channel quite a few times, a lot as a matter of fact, and I encourage you to do the same as well. Again, if you're not subscribed, please do that. It's Lessons with Marcel. He is just, 
he's awesome. He's just plain awesome. Really fun to listen to and a fantastic, phenomenal teacher as well. Okay, so the chromatic lick that's happening here, as you can see in that, in that little clip, uh, Marcel did a great job of tabbing it out, but it's a, a, a solo for the song Dust in a Baggie, and he kicks it off by doing a simple chromatic run, like so. Into a basic G run. Now the solo goes on, but what I want to make sure that you see there is that although some of those notes shouldn't make sense, they do in context. Now there's a point in time, if I stop on any one of those notes, It sounds funky, it sounds out of place, but in succession, it carries momentum. It carries almost melodic momentum, and it leads you to that G note, that nice uh, home, comfortable, uh, uh, resolving note. So using chromatics can be using chromatics can be incredibly effective in terms of making a point or introducing a solo even. Now this brings me to the next lesson. Lesson number seven is introducing dissonance. Chromatics in and of themselves introduce dissonance, which is kind of that uncomfortable, unsettled feeling that you get. Now I'll show you how to do this, but first let's see Billy do it. We're just gonna look at a small piece of this solo, the portion where he's playing a B flat note against a B. Now he blasts by it in the solo, but I wanna isolate it so you can see what this unsettled feeling feels like and sounds like. Here's that B flat against a B. It's, it's not very comfortable. It's like you're in a haunted house and you're about to open the door and you know somebody's gonna scare you. But what I love is that he uses this dissonance and juxtaposes it against a resolving phrase. He goes this, he, he goes, he does this B flat against the B and then he comes back to an open G. And it somehow all of a sudden makes sense, again, within the musical context. That's something you can add to your own playing wherever. Just add a little bit of an ear bender, a dissonant portion, and then resolve it. It's a really cool way to draw attention to what you're playing. Which brings me to the next lesson, and that is build tension. In combination with the previous two lessons, dissonance and chromatics, Billy Strings is a master of building tension. It creates excitement in what he's playing. It gets the listener involved. You can see that the band feeds off of it. And what he does is he builds all this tension and he hangs out on this tension for, for just a little bit, what you feel like is too long. And then he releases that tension by resolving to the key chord or a key note. Here's an example. so many ways that you can do this in your own playing. I'm gonna show you just a simple way. I'm gonna lead up to a G note, or kind of a G power chord, if you will. And what I'm gonna be doing is, I'm gonna fret the second fret of the D string, play it with the open G and B. I'm gonna play the third fret of the D string, play it with the open G and the first fret of the B. Slide that shape up one fret, and then slide it up one more fret. Okay, but I'm gonna build that tension. You'll see what I mean. I'm just gonna be strumming those three strings.
you can tell, it's kind of, it's almost like you're sitting in this discomfort for so long, you just, you want it to change. And that's the beautiful thing about building tension. It almost sound like a swarm of bees in a way. But if you look at any Billy Strings performance, at some point he will do this. He is very, very good at it. And it's almost like, um, it's almost like taking the listeners for a walk in a way. Now, lesson five is more of a philosophical lesson and something we all need a bit of a reminder of, and that is don't take yourself too seriously. Here's a great example, example of that very thing on stage with Brian Sutton. Lesson number four is get weird, effects are okay. Billy Strings uses a lot of processing and a lot of effects on his acoustic guitar, and he does so in a very, very effective way, pun effective way. Uh, here's just a few examples of him integrating effects into solos, rhythm guitar to add, a, well, a whole nother dimension to what he's playing. Lesson number three is bend away. Billy Strings is almost like an electric guitar player with an acoustic guitar. He uses string bends a ton. And again, it grabs the listener's ear. It's almost like you cannot not pay attention to what he's playing. Here's a great example of him playing with Tommy Emmanuel. <laughs> taking just a single note and turning it into something extremely interesting. Here's what he's doing. Uh, now I'm capoed on the second fret to match what he's playing. And what I'm doing is I'm gonna take that B string second fret and bend it up and then resolve it to that open G. But what he's doing is following the bend with alternate pick strokes like this. It's really hard to bend up there. Uh, but anyways, it's a great effect that you can add to your playing. You don't even know, you don't even have to know where you're bending to. Just start integrating bends and see if you can develop a feel for it. Pro tip, if you're new to bending strings, do it closer to the guitar body because it's way easier to bend strings up here because you have uh, a lot more string to work with as opposed to down by the nut or down by a capo. Now, this brings me to lesson number two, and that is chord shape transportation. Billy Strings uses chord shapes or chord inversions to travel up the neck and play solos in a different area. Sometimes if you're playing a solo down by the nut or down by the capo, it sounds great. And then it's like all of a sudden somebody's down here by the body of the guitar and it feels like they're not connected in any way, shape or form. Not when you watch Billy play. Billy uses chord shapes to travel up the neck and connect a uh, open position solo to a more closed position solo closer to the body of the guitar. Here's an example.
I wanna give you a series of chord shapes that you can practice. Now, this is not exactly what Billy played, but it's the same idea, okay? I think Billy plays it really fast and it's hard to see how the chord shapes connect, but let me go ahead and show you a pattern that you can use in the key of G. We're gonna start out on the G, B, and high E string. I just want you to focus on these high three strings because it cleans things up a little bit. Go ahead and fret just the third fret on that high E string. And that's one of the chord shapes. And we'll use kind of a tremolo effect just to kind of drive home these shapes. The next shape is gonna be barring the B and high E string on the third fret and fretting the fourth fret of the G with your middle finger. Pretty great little shape. The next is gonna be like playing a D shape, but across the seventh and eighth fret. Your index finger will be on the seventh fret of the G, middle finger on the seventh fret of the high E, ring finger, eighth fret of the B. So, so far we have pretty awesome stuff. Then we can blast up to the 10th and 12th fret and we can do uh, index finger on the 10th of the high E and then ring and pinky on the 12th fret of the G and B respectively. So, so far that entire sequence sounds like this. And that'll give you access to various scale patterns in those areas. But I wanted to just isolate the chord shapes because they're great vehicles to move from one section of the guitar to the other. You can use it in an ascending fashion, you can use it in a descending fashion. A great way to study various chord shapes along the neck as well, a la the cage system. That's a whole nother can of worms. Okay, this brings me to lesson number one, and this one is just a feel-good lesson. Billy has good musical friends. He has great musical friends. He has a lot of musical friends. And I think this not only inspires Billy, but also feeds his musicality, because you can see different influences in his playing. So just for the sake of seeing just how many various people he's played with, let's uh, chain together quite a few performances. I gotta buy my kids a brand new pair of shoes. I don't worry. I'm sitting on top of the world. Okay, moving on to our first chunk of acoustic news you can use. This is the documentary section. This is the free documentary section. All of these documentaries are available on YouTube. You just have to find them and click play. The first one is entitled, Where Are You, Jay Bennett? I had never heard that name before, had no clue who Jay Bennett was. Turns out he was an original member of Wilco on some of their seminal albums, Summer Teeth, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. There was another one that I totally forgot. He was involved with the, uh, the Billy Bragg and Wilco album. Uh, so yeah, a big time musical player who has a tale all of his own and this documentary covers it. Let's look at the trailer. Some people play music for the drugs and the chicks and for all their friends to think they're cool. Everybody already knew Jay Bennett was cool. You know, he's a normal dude. 
that just happened to be an insanely gifted musician. Here's a guy who lives music. He is the song. The next freebie documentary I want to tell you about is entitled Greenwich Village, Music That Defined a Generation. This documentary is incredibly informational. This documentary is incredibly inspirational because Greenwich Village just wasn't a collection of musicians. It very much was, and some big names as well. But it was also a, a, a movement, a musical movement, a human movement. And this documentary explores all of that. Here's the trailer. Greenwich Village is mostly a state of mind. But in the village, everybody's young inside. The village was where the whole rest of the world looked. Joni Mitchell. Bob Dylan. Carly Simon. Phil Oakes. And James Taylor. Leonard Korn. Chris Christopherson. Pete Seeger. Harry Chapin. And the Mamas and the Papas. Judy Collins. We had chosen to be part of a socially relevant musical cultural experience, and we were giving it our best. A true three for free special. Never in my life have I encountered a three for free special, except for right here on the Acoustic Tuesday show. The final free documentary I wanna tell you about is The Art of Listening. This is an eye-opener. It gets you thinking about how you listen to music. It gets you thinking about where music comes from. It gets you thinking about the effort and the hours that go into making recorded music. It really, I think on the other end of this documentary, you have a newfound appreciation for everything that goes into making a recorded work of music. Without further ado, here's the trailer. Most people do not have a place to listen to music. They have things they listen to music on, but it's so easy to ignore music while it's on and it becomes a background thing. But music as art has to be appreciated as art and you can only do that if you're engaged. These are pieces of art and artists and musicians and producers and engineers, we want the experience to go so deep that it just threatens to overtake your normal consciousness. You know, most people aren't going to appreciate the technical aspects of the process or the tools and instrumentation that went into it, but to me, that's really what they're hearing. If you put a lot of care in it, you can put a lot of layers, and people don't get those layers out unless they're willing to commit to sitting down, listening to it on good speakers or really good headphones, because some of these works, there's just so much energy put into them. Let's take a look at some guitarsonals, shall we? I have two of them for you today. The first one comes from TAC family member Jacqueline Hunter from Oceanside, California. Not only does she have a great guitarsonal, she has stories for each guitar. Here's what she has to say. Hi there, this is Jacqueline from a band called Miss Q. All my guitars have a name and story. I don't own any high-priced guitars, but each of these have a soul I can only explain through playing them. First up, we're going left to right here. First up is Persephone, an Ibanez Acoustic Electric Artwood. Traded her in for my old 1999 Honda Accord that died. Next up, Sadie, a Gibson Epiphone Acoustic AJ10. Bought her while working at Sam Ash Music in 2000. She and my clothes were all that I moved with from Ohio to Arizona in 2004. Next up, a guitar named Penelope, a travel-sized classical guitar with no make or model. Found her in a storage shed outside of a school and she came with a case. I donated 
25 bucks for her and had to do repair work. Installed all new machine heads myself, amongst other things. Next, Hank, an Ibanez acoustic electric bass, perfect for those old, out those old outlaw country bass notes. Next, Elvira, a Gibson Epiphone electric special model, my sweet 16 birthday present. Now the guitar that she's holding is named Greta Garbo, a Gibson Epiphone acoustic electric pro one. While flying from San Diego to Columbus, Ohio to play a gig, Penelope took on some damage. I saw my old friends at Sam Ash Music and they gave me a killer deal on Greta Garbo while Penelope was getting repaired. We were able to play the gig and Greta has been an excellent guitar for our performances. Next up, Bitsy, a classical guitalele with no make or model. She is perfect for traveling and I play my songs as though I have a capo on the fifth fret. She's been lucky enough to make it to Europe and Hawaii. And then finally, Gypsy Rose Lee, a Luna Acoustic Electric. She's the latest addition and we're still getting to know each other. I walked by her twice in a small music shop and had to give her a whirl. She's got a lovely voice. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for sharing your guitar snow. Love the little mini stories behind each of the guitars and it almost well, it helps me know them even a little bit more, as I'm sure it helps all the Acoustic Tuesday viewers know them a bit more. I've got another guitar arsenal for you all. This one, we're going to head to Dibble, Texas? Dibble, Texas? I'm going to go with Dibble. Dibble, Texas. This guitar arsenal comes from Marty Kaler, and here's what he has to say, or rather, here's what's in his guitar arsenal. Top row, left to right an Eastman L. Ray hollow body, a national Rezzle Rocket mahogany body, a national NRP steel body tricone, a 1950-era Stella, a Beard sidecar 127 made in California Guild M20, a Collings OM2HT, a Gretsch 6120, and his wife's Tysco bass. The second row, a 1928 or 29 patent-pending national tricone in nickel silver. This guitar went down the Powder River along with the cabin it was in during a flood. It was pretty banged up, but National put in new cones and neck, and it sounds so sweet on bottleneck slide. Also of interest, it was in one of Montana's first bands, Lewis and Clark. Next is a National Tricone Baritone, a 1999 Martin, a Thomas Humphrey Classical, only 263 produced, a Gretsch Jim Dandy, a Simon & Patrick Wild Cherry, a Deering Boston Six-String Banjo, a Martin Backpacker, and his wife's stand-up bass, an Ibanez Mandolin from the 1970s. On the floor, we have an Epiphone Dot Semi-Hollow, a Reuben Orchestral Flamed Otway, Blackwood and Sitka Top, a Reuben Orchestral Old Growth Mahogany and Adirondack Top, Reuben Loaned to the paper kites for a recent world tour. I am holding a Reuben Bacote with an Adirondack top made from a salvaged 200-year-old barn in Georgia. Barely visible behind the neck of Miss Bacote is my Alvarez Grateful Dead Skull and Roses ukulele, which is, of course, priceless. Reuben and Rose are finishing up a beautiful Coca Bolo with Sinker Redwood top for me this February or March. Next year, they are building me a double O from the tree with a one-piece yellow cedar top that is over 500 years old. They are in Melbourne, Australia and do beautiful work. In addition, they are just wonderful people to deal with. RubenGuitars.net. Little plug for them right there. And then he also mentions this. Another guitar dealer I've been dealing with for decades is Greg Boyd in Missoula, Montana. If you haven't visited this shop, you really need to. He has a degree in wood science and is incredibly knowledgeable about woods and stringed instruments. Greg Boyd's House of Fine Instruments. 
Keep up the good work, Tony. I love the old country blues and all I do is finger pick. My guitar hero is Jorma Kalkinen. Nobody interprets the songs of Reverend Gary Davis like Jorma. Marty, thank you so much for sharing your guitar snow with all of us. What a treat to have a look at your guitars. And yes, Greg Boyd's House of Fine Instruments in Missoula, Montana is a phenomenal shop. One that should be on everyone's list. Pro tip, if you plan on going there, just clear your day. Because number one, you're gonna play a lot of really cool instruments, both vintage and new. And number two, Greg is a wealth of knowledge. And if you ask a question, you're gonna get the full story. It is a true haven for guitar geeks. Now, if you're sitting at home thinking, it's time, it is time. I wanna get my guitar snow featured on the Acoustic Tuesday show. It's really easy. Just follow the links in the description below. Number one, get yourself a guitar snow shirt. Number two, take a picture of yourself with your guitar snow shirt on amongst all of your guitars. And number three, submit it using the link right in the description below. It is that easy. Okay, now let's have a look at, oh yes, indeed. We have to look and see what the TAC family is working on today. Go ahead and grab your guitar and let's see what guitar lick they have at their fingertips. Now, every day within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, we focus on one of the five essential categories of guitar improvement. On Mondays, we look at technique. Tuesdays, a guitar lick. Now, uh, Wednesdays, we look at improvisation. Thursdays, rhythm guitar. And Fridays, chord transitions. Wow, it's tough for me to think today. It's one of those days where I just needed to uh, maybe sleep an extra half hour or so. Uh, but today is Tuesday. The TAC family is working on a guitar lick, and here's what they're working on today. Take off, you hoser. That's a line from one of my favorite movies of all time, Strange Brew. And it also happens to be the name of your guitar lick challenge for today. It's entitled You Hoser. It's a bluegrass guitar lick in the key of G. In fact, all of the challenges this week within TAC Salute the movie Strange Brew in one way, shape, or form. But there's an underlying musical theme, and that is bluegrass flat picking in the key of G, specifically integrating triplets into your playing. And that's exactly what this lick does. It actually has all of the things. It has dissonance, it has pull-offs, and it has triplets. So let me go ahead and play that lick for you so you know what it sounds like. Yes, it is full of all sorts of magic. This lick is gonna open up a ton of doors for you. In fact, I wanna show this to you in action so you can see how it would be placed in your playing, but more so, I want you to see how it can enter you into a solo. In fact, it kind of provides this wonderful solo safety net. I'll show you that in a second, but first, for those of you wanting to learn this note for note, TAC fam, all you have to do is sign in. This challenge is awaiting you on your homepage. Just click start challenge. You'll go right to the teaching video. Once you get it under your fingers, move along to the play along video and pick a speed that's comfortable for you. And you can also click the tab icon in the lower right hand corner, and that'll open up the tab in a separate window so you can follow along there as well. Okay, this lick in a musical context. First, I wanna show it to you by simply strumming a G chord, maintaining a solid strumming pattern, and then moving to the lick, coming back to the G chord. This will give you a sense of the time frame of this lick. Here it is. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, this lick has it all. It's got the dissonance, it's got the pull-offs, it's got the triplets, and you just heard it in action, basically using it as filler in between strumming G chords. And that's a very perfect musical example of it. However, I want to look at it in a little bit of a different light. I want to use it as a launching pad for a solo. So we're going to look at this lick and we're going to chop off the front end, the dissonant part, this part. Yes, it's very cool. I love playing it, but we're gonna go ahead and just chop it off. Because what I want you to focus on is that single string scale execution. And all I'm doing is pulling off of the scale note and then following through with an upstroke on the open G string. It's gonna sound like this. Just by doing that, you give yourself some time to think while you're soloing. You buy yourself some time, some room to breathe, and you can come up with your next action after that. It's kind of a, um, it's almost like tapping your foot or saying, um, um, uh, when you talk. That's, that's what that is in the, in, in the equivalent of soloing or the parallel of soloing. So what I'm gonna do is go ahead and just strum a G chord and I'm gonna move to that single string execution so you can kind of hear how it's placed in that musical context. And here it is. See what I mean, how you can actually buy time? It's a really cool technique and one that I hope you can integrate into your playing. It's actually, it's kind of addicting. And I think you can, if you find yourself a, a key of G backing track, just try that, try that. You're gonna be amazed. You're gonna enter a time warp of sorts. So again, I hope you really dig that. On to your final dose of acoustic news you can use. And first up is an acoustic guitar cover that won me over two times. It won me over because of the arrangement and it won me over because of the song selection. Here is Luca Stricognoli covering the Slipknot song, Before I Forget. I think it's a great time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for today, but first, we gotta take a sneak peek into next week, and next week is all about lies. Yes, all about lies. You gotta tune in next week. It's gonna be a very important episode. Next week, I'm gonna be sharing with you a list of guitar lies that can damage your guitar journey and hold you back. That's happening next week on the Acoustic Tuesday show. Make sure to catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And before I let you go, please do remember this. Your guitar success, however you define it for yourself, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day that you play. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Thank you for being a guitar geek and I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Cheers, guitar geeks unite.